Hello and welcome to East to West WLS, the podcast where we support the bariatric community with humor, humility, and honesty. I'm April and I'm the West. And I'm Jason and I'm the East. Today we are so excited to welcome a kick-ass member of our community to the podcast, Gina. Hi, Gina. Hi, how are you? I don't oh, know man. what, I've never done that. What was that? I never did that before. Hi, it's, I don't know what hands. that was. A jazz, there we go. My spirit fingers. Oh. <laughs> it's called pure excitement because we are because we are equally excited to talk to everybody today. Absolutely. Uh, Jason, Jason, I've been following you for quite some time and we say that you're a kick-ass human because we A, love your hashtags, B, we can't <laughs> believe how you have changed really kind of you know, your mind, your body, your spirit to, to be exactly what you want it to be. And we are very excited to talk to you today about movement, really. I mean, I, we know that your story is much, much more than movement, but that seems to be like your passion at the moment. And that's what we're focusing on this month at East to West. We, we just know that, right, the kind of the equation for a long, healthy life is nutrition and movement. Those two things combined will, right, lead us down the path of, of the life that, that we want. And you know, after bariatric surgery, it can be a real struggle to kind of undertake both of those because it is a lot of work. So the more that we can talk to people who really have a great recipe that have kind of figured it out, then the more that we can incorporate that into uh, our own lives. So that's, that's what we're excited about today. Yay. <laughs> so before we dive in, I always like to let kind of our listeners know that if podcast is not maybe your favorite way of learning, we do record this in Zoom and we post it to our YouTube channel. And as you can see, we are all adorable humans and we are very animated when we talk. <laughs> so if you would like to watch us and not listen, head over to YouTube, search East, the number two, West WLS, the podcast. You'll see our fabulous YouTube channel where all of our podcast episodes live permanently. We also record our virtual bariatric meetups and we have other resources and supports there. So please do head over there, like, and subscribe, hit the little bell icon, and you will get notified every single time new content drops. Boom. Okay. I think I did it. <laughs> I think I got through the basics. So before we really deep dive into the conversation, Gina, we always love to give our guests just a moment in the beginning to really kind of introduce yourself. So if you wouldn't mind, let our listeners know maybe like your age, when you had your R&Y procedure and why you're passionate about supporting the bariatric community. Absolutely. Uh, so I'm 38, no problem saying my age. I'll be 39 at the end of the year. Uh, so I'm not quite 40. Not, not there yet, it's very exciting. Uh, I'm from Chicago and I had my uh, gastric bypass in July of 2018, July 11th. Um, for me, a lot of why I am passionate about the weight loss community is, is one, I didn't know it existed, that, that, that when I had my surgery and I found Instagram and I was like, oh my God, there's, this, there's a whole world <laughs> out there that I, I really did know existed with support and interaction and everyone just kind of being this big old family, like this extended family. Mm -hmm. And uh, I really kind of found just such a really comfy place in there. And I think for me, it was more or less the support that really inspired me to be so passionate about what everyone is doing and how we're supporting each other. And also it helped me educate people who maybe weren't so keen let's let's use the word on weight loss surgery had their judgments against weight mm -hmm. loss surgery um so i learned more from other people's experiences so i could take with me more to offer other people who asked about weight loss surgery so that's kind of why i'm so passionate all of our stories are different all of our experiences are different but in the end we're all working towards the same goal at the same end result which is a healthy and happy 
life for the rest of our lives. Yes. Uh, and so a lot of it's passion, a lot of it is education, but that that's really why I'm so passionate about the community is just all the support love that, that it has. Yeah, Jason and I were really blown away. We, we didn't know independently that it existed. And he and I met, actually, I hosted virtual bariatric meetups when the pandemic first struck because I was really familiar with Zoom. Oh. And uh, Jason came and you know hung around afterwards and he and I talked and we realized that our conversations really led us down a very helpful path. You know, we're just learning from each other. And you know, from there it's just blossomed into what East to West has become. But yeah, we are every day blown away by the community. It's like actually the place on the internet where the internet is supposed to do what it was built to do. Supposed to do. Yeah. <laughs> I mean you're just like, oh my God. Well, and the funniest thing about it is, is people don't really know. I, I had an Instagram account and I had had it for years, but I had like four things on there because I didn't touch it. Like I knew what it was. I just never messed with it because I'm so ingrained in using Facebook and talking to people on Facebook yep. and my stuff was Facebook surrounded. And my support group for my bariatric surgeon's office was on Facebook. And I realized that what I was getting there was really kind of negative and there was a lot of judgment going on. And one person from that group was like, well, I'm over on Instagram doing other stuff, you know, and there's a lot of people over there. So you may check it out. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, that's when I started looking into it. And that's when I found April's meetup. So it was strictly just by happenstance that I just happened into her, her bariatric meetup that day. And that's how all this was born because I was like, yeah, there's really nothing out there like what I was looking for before I had my surgery. And now April and I have kind of been able to help cultivate and create that for other people in the stuff that we were missing. And I think that is so, that makes me just so happy because like you mentioned about Facebook, I was a part of a few groups because, you know, before you have surgery, you're just looking for any type of resources, yeah. any type of direction. You're scared. You're fearful. You're going mm -hmm. under the knife. You're taking this last resort for weight loss. Nobody wants mm -hmm. to say, oh, look how proud I am. I'm having my stomach rerouted because I can't control my plate. You know, nobody yeah. wants to admit that. And I, I think I was just looking for any type of, and nobody in my family had successful weight loss surgery. And my friends weren't successful. A few of my friends weren't either. My oh. fiance's mom had medical issues. So no one I knew personally who had it, had lost it, kept it off. Oh, and wow. was successful. So I had my own fears there. So when I got into Facebook groups, like you said, very, very negative, a lot of just, you know, I, I, I kind of um, compare it to Yelp reviews. When you go to Yelp or like open table, you're going to get all, who takes the time to write. They had a fantastic experience. They're going to yeah, write right. about what was bad. They're going to give you one or two stars and weight loss surgery is kind of the same thing where you're yep. going to have those groups on Facebook where they're like, Oh my God, I almost died. Oh my God. I had the, and there it's like fear mongering on, yeah. on sites. And I, I, I didn't find the, the, the hope and kind of joy that I was looking for. And I found it on Instagram. It just took a little bit of time. But um, when I stumbled upon it, I was like, this is what I needed. Yeah, this yeah. is what I was looking for. Yes, there's some bad parts of it. There are some people who have bad experiences, but there's so many positives that I wasn't yeah. seeing. Yes. Well, uh, and anywhere the, crazy else. Thing, the crazy thing about YouTube is YouTube's still that way today. If you go to YouTube and you search WLS, one of the first, most of mm -hmm. the first things you see pull up are my nightmare with my sleeve surgery, <laughs> my nightmare with gastric bypass, my nightmare Gary. with this. This is why I would never do this again. Oh, I almost died. It was, and it's all that until you scroll down, like I want to say almost a full page, and then you see our stuff 
you see some uh, like there's a doctor or two on there that is explaining some stuff. But yeah, the majority of the stuff that pulls up first is is, is horrible reviews on on what they had done with their surgery and and bad experiences that they've mm-hmm. had since post op. Yeah. Well, you know, and I think it's important, it's important that people know you are, you are altering your body physically, you are mm-hmm. undergoing a major medical procedure, this is nothing to take lightly, and things can and will go wrong. So it, it's one thing to know, to be eyes wide open when you're going into this. Yep. But it was so unfortunate that so much of the noise out there was to the negative when so many of us have had nothing but really positive experiences with our, you know, with our bariatric surgery. So it was like, mm-hmm. okay, well, we need to change this. And, and if nobody else is doing it, then we need to be the ones that, that are that, that public, you know, positive voice for what bariatric surgery can do uh, in the world. Cause there's enough, there's enough of this. We don't, there's we don't enough negative. Anymore. That's why I commend um, your, your platform because I think more people need it than, than mm-hmm. not, because it is kind of like this oasis in the middle of all the negativity. And like mm-hmm. you said, you, you need to know your options. You need to know what's on the table, but you know, yeah. the possibilities of things going wrong. Uh, but those little, those little percentages, which is, I remember talking to my doctor, my surgeon, and I mentioned all these things I was seeing on Facebook. I'm going to die on the tissue. Should I have a will? You know, I, I mean, I had gotten to the point of like, I was going to die. And he was like, Gina, you know, your chances of dying on the table are this number in comparison to living as an overweight woman to your 50. Your chances yep. of dying as an obese woman are yeah. triple than what they are going under surgery. And he put mm-hmm. it into a really good perspective for me and it kind yeah. of calmed me, calmed me down a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think more people need to know that while those things that can go wrong are, are there, the percentages of them happening are pretty, are, are pretty low. They're pretty yes. low. Yep. And as we always say, when people are waffling on one surgery or, you know, or just, they, they just have real concerns and it's like, yeah, no, you, there, there are percentages and there mm-hmm. are chances and this could not go well. Uh, but what, what is the, what are the, what's the percentage that you're going to die at a much younger age, or you're going to experience some major medical issues if mm-hmm. you remain at your high weight? Right. Because nobody's thinking about that. Nobody's thinking about like, well, what's yeah. it going to look like five or 10 years from now, if I remain 330 pounds? That's right. Yeah. Well, let's well, think about I che- that. I cheated. I mean, I know, I know for a fact myself, I've cheated heart attacks and strokes for years and years <laughs> because my blood pressure routinely walking around at 468 pounds, it was nothing for my blood pressure to be 185 over 140, wow. 185 over 135, 190 over, you know, 125, 130. And every time my nurse would just look at me and be like, look, man. And I'm like, oh, I know, but I'm on four blood pressure meds and a patch. What do you want me to do? Like, I'm doing the best I can. And she's like, but, you, but you're not, though, because you weigh 10 more pounds than you did the last time you came in here. And at my absolute highest, I had blood pressure. I, I went to the ER for blood pressure. It was 217 over 169. God, you're like a walking time bomb. Yeah, well, like and, and, Literally. And the nurse asked me, she's like, how did you get here? And I was like, I drove. And she's like, what do you mean you drove? And I'm like, I drove in my car. And she's like, I don't even know how you walked in here, let alone drove here. And I'm like, I don't feel that bad. She's like, you need to lay down before you fall down. And I was just like, okay, I guess this is bad. You know, but I mean, you think about how how long, how many years I went with my blood pressure being that high. And most people don't get that opportunity. Like they pop mm-hmm. aneurysms or blood vessels, or, you know, they just, they die. 
I mean, I may have been a healthy big person as, as I used to tell people, I'm a really healthy fat woman. Like I don't I have that. this, I don't have that. And, yep. you know, and I remember saying that to my surgeon and I was kind of borderline diabetic and I wasn't a diabetic, but it was mm -hmm. in my future. My dad was a diabetic. I had heart disease in my family. So I, I think we all can raise our hands to any of those things. And what I was, yeah. So if I was a healthy 30, six-year-old say, what makes you think I'm going to be a healthy 56-year-old or a mm -hmm. healthy, you know, 67-year-old if I don't take care of it now? Those, yeah. I can't, I cannot run genetics. Yeah. I mean, when you're not taking, when you're not taking care of anything, it's going to catch yeah. up with you. High yes. blood pressure, diabetes, heart yeah. disease. And I think thinking of that, we don't think that far down. Another perspective is, mm -hmm. wow, I could be a, a really, you know, healthy fat person at, you know, 30, but that's not going to last forever. Yeah, yeah. I, I said the same thing. I'm the healthiest fat person you know because I don't <laughs> have diabetes. I don't have all this other stuff because my dad was always like, oh, there's no way you don't have diabetes. And I'm like, no, my A1C is this. I don't have the, you know, prick my finger and it, it's not going to show. Yep. And he used to always just tell me, he's like, yeah, but that doesn't mean it's not coming. And I'm like, oh, yeah, well, it may not be coming. It may be coming, but it's not here now. So guess what? I'm fine. Yeah. I'm going to go have another pizza and another. And I'm going to live my life. I'm going to have another box of chicken and three burgers because, you know, I can. Yeah. But yeah, right. you think about it and it's just, yeah, the, the, the things that I used to tell myself to make it through the day, eating like an asshole, it's just amazing. Yep. Well, we've come to our senses and we have, <laughs> we have. realized that we needed a tool <laughs> to help us live our healthiest lives. Yep. Uh, and that is what we are here to talk about today. So really, Gina, what the areas that we want to focus on are, of course, getting to know your, your weight loss story, your weight story, because we know that that is a huge component to why you are the person that you, who you are today. And then we want to talk about movement. And of course, the two hashtags, uh, fuck the scale and... <laughs> Body by carbs, right? Those are the body two. The two and body by carbs. Oh my god! It's like <laughs> right because after surgery, you think carbs are bad, and I can never touch them again, which is absolutely not the case. Which we were talking about before, and we will get into later. But really, yeah, we we we, we just want to know. We want to know your recipe. We want to know your your movement secret, and we want to know the tweaks that you have discovered along the way that have allowed you to live your life as the healthiest version of you. That's, that's really, that's really what, what we want to dive in today. So I don't know about you guys, but I'm ready. Are you guys ready? I'm, I'm ready. Yes, ma'am. All right, let's do it. Okay. So Gina, first and foremost, what <laughs> makes you, you, how did you get to be the person that, that you are today? Oh my gosh. Um, that's such a, that's a big I question, <laughs> but you know, I, I have a, I have a huge Italian family, very loud, very loud. I, you probably can guess by how loud I'm speaking on this podcast. I'm just a, a very vivacious personality. Thanks to, thanks to them. A lot of, a lot of comedy in my family. They're not funny, but what they do is funny and I make fun wow. of it. So that, mm. that, that's kind of what I'll say. They don't even know they're funny and they're yeah. being funny. Uh, okay. but I would say that, um, you know, my parents both were very, very hard workers growing up. And, you know, my aunt Rosie, which was my mom's aunt and her mother, my grandmother pretty much raised me, you know, they were very, very strong, um, presences in, in my life and, um, made me kind of who I am today, uh, in terms of my personality and, and 
how I am, how I am. Um, so I have to give them a little bit of credit here to into into what you're what you're all seeing. Just just a, just a little bit. Um, but uh, food. Uh, speaking of Italians, we all know food is a is a big thing in an Italian family. And I think my family is full of a lot of undiagnosed and unidentified eating disorders. We don't talk about it, but it was always there. So I grew up with this whole "you shouldn't be eating it, but why aren't you eating it?" Does that make sense? Like my grandma would make food for a hundred people. You should have seconds and thirds and fourths. And my mom was like, uh-uh, we can't be overweight. So I had a very weird dynamic growing up of I should be eating it. I'm a growing child and uh, I'm Italian. So I should have seconds and thirds. But uh, my mom was like, I can't have an overweight daughter. So you really shouldn't be, be eating that. So I had a very interesting dynamic as, as a child when it comes to food. I didn't know if food was good, is food bad? Is it something I should be eating, but it makes you fat? And, and the fact my mom was like, I don't want a fat daughter, what happens? She gets a fat daughter. It just, yes. <laughs> just kind of the trajectory of that. So I kind of grew up very confused about weight, food, self-image, all that stuff. So I, I bring it up because I really didn't know I didn't have any sisters. It was just my mom, just two brothers. So there was no other feminine younger people in, in my mm. world. Um, so for me, the confusion with food and the, uh, I guess, uh, food emotional connection all started mm. very, very young, that negative emotional connection to food. Cause I just didn't know any better. I wasn't no. really pushed in a better direction. So that's a bit how I got from my childhood to my eating disorder was just not having a lot of good direction. Not okay. at all. Well, so, and on top of that, you got to kind of worry about, you know, your, your mom's image of you. If your mom is so concerned yeah. and worried about mm -hmm. you being overweight, then that starts to creep in and think, well, does that mean she's going to love me less? Like, what does that mean for my relationship with my mom if mm -hmm. she's so concerned and now her worst fear has come true? Now I'm an, an overweight daughter. What does that mean? So, yeah, no, that's, yeah she wasn't very equipped with how to handle it. And I've learned over the course of time and a lot of therapy, you know, parents only do what they can do with the toolbox that they have. You right. can't blame them for everything. Um, maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit, uh, yeah. but just a, a, a little bit. So I, I, at this point in my life, I've gotten to the point where I'm like, okay, you know, you did what you could do, uh, but you're right. It, it looking for her approval was was constant and then you know I was bullied by other kids who wasn't when you're overweight and mm -hmm. I think I didn't have an escape at home I didn't have an escape at school uh, the only escape I had was my aunt and my grandmother where they didn't give a shit uh, yeah. so I, I I really was just um, a, a very just confused and and torn child with a lot of traumatic experiences and food was my my comfort it's it's what I it was always there and never mm -hmm. judged me you know, so it, it, that's, that's the trajectory of what happened with my food addiction. It just got out of control over the course of time. So how, how did you come to make your decision to have bariatric surgery? What was kind of that journey like for you? Um, well, I'm in theater. I think I, most people who follow me know me. I sing and I act and I, I do all that stuff. And um, theater is really critical environment. <laughs> of course, I picked that environment. Yeah. A woman. Why wouldn't I pick theater when everyone's looking at what you're wearing and how you're acting and what you're doing? Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm like a glutton for this punishment. So uh, for me, a, a little little moments of not finding costumes helped my decision. Uh, uh, you know, that was really difficult over the course of time. And I thought it was mm -hmm. all about looks. That's what you think mm -hmm. is I want to wear different clothes, right? I want to be able to shop anywhere. It's all very superficial. Uh, on, on the surface until you dig 
until you dig a little deeper. Um, so my decision was probably a buildup of, of all that. And mm. I had thought about weight loss surgery in my twenties. I had seen a doctor about it and then it just didn't, just didn't go anywhere. It kind of was yeah. at a, a dead end. And most people were very negative about having weight loss surgery. So that deterred me from even going any further. Mm. Um, and then I got to the point where my health was deteriorating. I mean, I, I wasn't as active of a fat person as I was before. I was saying no to events. I didn't want to do any shows. I didn't want to audition for anything. Everything started just kind of crumbling. Um, and it was all because of my weight was getting completely out of my, out of my control. So I decided to talk to a gastroenterologist about my options. Um, he didn't go straight for weight loss surgery. He didn't go straight for medication. He said, let's go to a strict diet. I'm going to put you on a diet for a month and come back and we'll talk. And I gained 10 pounds. So <laughs> I obviously, not surprising, but yes, not surprising, yeah. but I, I didn't follow the diet. And I, I like, it was like a doctor now moment. Why are you eating so much? Uh, yeah. it, was, it was completely a doctor now moment, but a lot you of said health- I couldn't, that's why. <laughs> why you, who's your enabler? Yeah. yeah. Enabler. Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, so he had a little bit of tough love session on me and, uh, he said, well, why don't you go back to the drawing board? Let's try it again. And I came back and I had lost the 10 pounds, 12 pounds he wanted. And at that point, he said, I think you're ready for the bariatric program. So he did take me into a really, I, he said, he really much saved me, really. And he did it the right way. He didn't push me or say, you have to have surgery. Um, he just, that, and that's what was his, kind of his inspiration was, let's do this. And I went to a seminar and the rest is history. Why, uh, w- why did he recommend R&Y over uh, like VSG or lap band or some of the other bariatric procedures? Um, when I actually left my gastro and then saw the actual surgeon, so I'd gone through the, the program, you know, a lot of people have these dietary classes you have to take, some don't, but I did six months worth. And then after about five months, I got a chance to see the surgeon and ask about my options. And he did say I was a candidate for either surgery. He doesn't really do lap band that wasn't on the table. Neither was the um, DS. It was just vertical sleeve and RMY. Uh, uh-huh. And while I was approved for either one of them in terms of being a candidate, he did suggest RMY because I had over a hundred pounds to lose. Okay. It was his kind of gold standard for surgery VSG. While it is very, very common, it is newer mm-hmm. than gastric bypass. Mm-hmm. Um, and he wrote the medical book at Northwestern Hospital on the surgery. So I think I could trust his, yeah. his, his expertise. Uh-huh. Uh, he yeah. knew a little, he knew, he knew a little. <laughs> yeah. Dr. Hungus, I have to give him a little, a little plug at Northwestern. He, he knows what he's talking about, but so he did recommend that based on what I wanted to get out of the surgery in terms of weight loss and, and um, percentage of weight loss, mm-hmm. RMY was going to take me there. Yeah. VSG okay. could, could have, it just would have mm-hmm. been a much harder path because I had much more to lose than the percentage of weight loss would have offered me. Um, Cause I had, well, like I've lost 160 pounds. So mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't have gotten where I needed to be or would have had a double dip, had sleeve first and possibly gone back for gastric bypass to have more surgery. And I just didn't want to, it, two surgeries wasn't up my alley. I was a one and done mm-hmm. for me. It was mm-hmm. my, my final destination, last stop, check please. Uh, yes, I that's how I in. was. <laughs> for anything well, else because they, so. they had told they'd asked me when i had my sleep my, my pa was like i mean you know if you don't end up losing as much because I, I wasn't a i was only a candidate for the sleeve mm. because of how high a weight i was at my age at the time 
Yep. So, but yeah, my PA was like, well, I mean, you know, if you don't end up losing enough, we'll go back. I was like, the hell you will. I was like, I'm yeah. out. I was like, what, <laughs> what I back lose on the what... table. <laughs> I did. I said, what I lose is what I lose. I was like, if I'm a success, yay for me and for you. I was like, if I'm not, just don't put me in the book. I was like, tell somebody that, you know, tell them I went somewhere else. I don't know what to tell you. I was like, but I'm not coming back. <laughs> yeah, no. So, I do think BMIs do make a difference. I know a lot of people, he wasn't, yeah. my surgeon wasn't doing RMYs on people, I think with a BMI over a certain number either. So it was just sleeve. And then if needed, they would go back and get the bypass. But a friend of mine who had the surgery by him has lost almost to goal on sleeve. It is, it is possible. It has not been an easy road, yeah. but it is, it is possible to beat the odds and have a higher percentage for sure. Absolutely. Yep. yep. Uh, what, what do you think have been some of your your keys to losing all of your weight and then maintaining it and and you know did it take something different to lose than it has taken to maintain i think for losing for me a lot of it was just accountability to myself i really had to be accountable to me and and not lie to myself about anything it was complete trust in me like gina 100% be transparent with yourself from 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 the start so tracking was big for me I, I tracking i will always push you don't have to of course but for me it was help it helped my accountability um to know what i was putting in my mouth and in my body when you struggle from a food addiction you can forget what you eat. Sometimes I slept eight as a kid. I mean, I could just go in the kitchen at three in the morning and just not even realize I was eating it or taking mm -hmm. bites and tastes. And so really hunkering down and everything I was eating, I put on a piece of paper in an app. Um, and then I weighed my food. My eyes were big shape shifters of what I was eating. If I didn't weigh what I, I you know, oh yeah, that looks like three ounces. Hell it isn't. That's eight girl. And, yes. you're, and you're overdue, you know, so I had to yes. really be diligent on weighing my food, tracking my food, and then obviously activity. I think those, those three things are the trifecta of caloric deficit to, to, you know, catapult the weight loss. And yeah. th that's, what's helped me to lose maintenance is a whole different story. Maintenance is, I think maintenance is harder than losing weight. I'm not sure what anybody else has to say, but I think it, it is, it is very difficult, especially after such a drastic drop you have yeah. after weight loss. You were just losing, like you're just dropping, you're just dropping left and right. Some it's sometimes five, seven pounds a week and it's just flying off. And then you get there, you're like, now what? Yeah. It's it's a whole different ball game. Yes. And it's terrifying because, well, I think it's terrifying for a few reasons. We do technically know how to maintain. We all maintained our highest weight for years <laughs> we and years, sure and years right? So it's like, well, I know how to, I know how to do this but I don't know how to do it at a much lower weight. And just the fact that the number is different sets mm -hmm. something off in our brain because never in our lives have we gotten to a number that we were happy with and maintained it. We've always maintained the, the bigger weight. So yep. when you, when, and it's right, when you're losing, the weight is falling off and you're like, I don't even know what I'm doing because you're just so euphoric and everything is working and oh my gosh, and I'm tracking a little bit and I'm doing this, but I'm just living my life and the weight's falling off. Right. And then all of a sudden you get down to maintenance and you're like, holy shit, I've never seen this number. I haven't seen this number since elementary school. What do I yeah. actually do? And then oh, yeah. the realization sinks in of, holy shit, the work of weight loss surgery is doing everything that I've never wanted to do, which is track my food, which is think about food constantly. Right. We, we had surgery to kind of not think about food because we were thinking <laughs> about it constantly beforehand. And then you get to your low weight, you're like, shit, I got to think about it all the time still. Yeah, it, that mindfulness is always there. It's not going to go away. And, you know, I, 
I hear a lot of people within the community who don't track and who don't weigh, they, they do say, I want to live a normal life. You know, I want to be yeah. normal. That, that's, mm -hmm. that's what I hear. That's why I don't track. Is, and, and when I hear that, I go, I know I'll never be normal. I had, yeah. I had surgery to kind of manipulate my body to lose weight. I will never be able to eat like a full grown non-bariatric human being yeah. ever, ever again. And I think coming to terms with that has helped me really just kind of own it. Like I'm going to have to track, even if it's not every day, what if it's three times a week, there's some type of accountability I have to hold myself to, to not get to where I was ever again, because as yeah. we all know, you can gain it all back. Yes. We've seen it. We've well, seen it on 600 a, pound life, you know? You made an interesting point by saying that, you know, you'll never be normal because you can't eat like you did before. Because the flip side of that coin is, is for those that say, well, I want to be normal and I want to eat normal like a normal person does. Well, you can. I mean, you have the option to do so. We're not telling you that you can't do it. Just don't get mad and turn around and go, well, I need a pouch reset or I need to go back all liquids mm -hmm. for a week because I'm seeing some regain. Well, yeah, you're going to see some regain. Because your new, I mean, you can be normal, but it's going to be a new normal. Because it's a new, new normal. normal is weighing yeah. your food out. You got to scale it, it, whether or not you're tracking by weighing your food, tracking by tracking the cal, you know, your caloric intake, your macros. That, that's your new normal if you want to live like you've never lived before. That is we correct. No, yeah, we don't know about living like April said about living our, our lowest weight or our healthiest life because we haven't done it for so long. Mm -hmm. So at this point, this is your new normal if you want it to work. Now you mm -hmm. can do the opposite. And like you said, you're going to go right back to weighing what you did before because we've all seen it. People that have either gone through the surgery and didn't have success or, or people that just decided to blow the surgery off altogether and just yeah. keep going. Like the, the day that I had surgery, there was a guy that was supposed to come in uh, the same time that I had mine. He stopped and had breakfast before he came in like they were going <laughs> to let him still have the surgery. Yeah. And well, I mean, we, we, yeah, we, we, we all know that we all know the the pull of addiction or dependence or tolerance mm -hmm. right which is a big thing to to overcome you know and as you were talking and i have been thinking about this a lot recently you know i, I went into surgery thinking the same thing i just want to feel normal around food and the interesting thing the more conversations that we have with people who have never had an issue with weight on the surface right they, they've always been at a healthy weight Every time we tell them about what we struggle with, they say, well, I struggle with the same thing too. And you're like, okay, wait, wait a minute. So what I'm starting to understand is that this constant thinking or obsessing or thoughtfulness about food is actually normal. Most people, I think, do it. Most people are really thinking critically about what they're eating. And even if they even if they are, or even if they look like they're at a healthy weight, they are doing so by thinking about their food. Right. So in some, in some fashion, in, right. Yes. I mean, maybe they may not be, you know, to the gram macro tracking, but in some yeah. form or another, they yes. are in their brain thinking about what they're putting in their bodies. And that yes. is, you, you said it. So no matter what level you're on, there's probably a billion levels of, of that type of um, tracking, right. Whether yes. it's three days a week or one day a week, or it's just calories versus all your macros or your mindful eating, intuitive eating, whatever. Not that that's a weight loss tool, but some people really depend on, on that to, to live yeah. their life. So in some form or another, 
you're thinking about food. Right. And, yeah. and how much of it you're putting in your body. Yes. Yeah, that's why I mean you see healthy you see healthy people all the time that meal prep and that a lot of you know a lot of people don't realize that just because you don't mark it down on a tracker every single day and you don't post your tracker to say, mm-hmm. hey, look, I'm tracking, a lot of people have been doing it long enough that they can track while meal prepping. They can say, mm-hmm. these yeah. are, you know, this is what I get out of this meal. Boom, one meal done. Two, three meals into it, they're like, I've meal prepped for the entire week. And they already know what the macros look like, what the, you yeah. know, what the portions look like, what, you know, all the nutritional values they're going to get. So they're still tracking and they're still meal prepping. And it's still stuff that, that we integrate into our daily life, even though they're already a healthy weight and still doing it. Correct. And whether or not they've had the surgery or not, but it just may not look like it, it tracking takes on a lot of different forms and it may not look like it because like I said, because they don't show the tracker every day, but yeah. they're still doing it. Yeah. And they're being accountable to themselves. That That's the thing. And back to accountability. No, And whether or not you post it or not post it, whatever you're doing to track what you're eating or to hit your macros, whatever you're, because it's all about goals. We all have different goals. It, it's yeah. it's just accountability and, and dedication to yourself and to your lifestyle is what yeah. it is. A hundred percent. So how have you created this healthier relationship with food, right? Because I know your family sounds a lot like my family. Food is just like, food is the center of it. And that's never, right? And that never goes away. So we have to learn how to interact with our food and with our family differently. Mm -hmm. So how did you, how did you recreate your healthy relationship with food? I mean, it's, it's a hard, it's a hard journey. I don't even think I'll ever, I, I consider myself a food kind of addict in recovery, like an, like an alcoholic who's in AA, you know, it's yeah. just, you're, you're constantly working. You're never not that because there's always a chance and a sliver that you could backtrack, right? There's always that, yes. that, that little, you have to keep in the back of your mind that it's a possibility. So I'm always working uh, and hopefully one day I'll win the battle, but until then I'm fighting, I'm fighting. Uh, yeah. So for me, it was a lot of, um, a lot of journaling. I'm not going to, a lot of going back, a lot of, uh, no one wants to visit their past. Nobody wants to go back in time and relive traumatic experiences or things that happened in their childhood or in their teen years. But for me, that was imperative for growth. I had to find kind of the core and the nucleus of kind of where all those food issues were harbored and where they came from. Uh, mm-hmm. And it, unfortunately, it was all negative. It all kind of fit these negative moments and why I turned to food and, and, you know, my family and and all these different factors. And once I really broke it down, I realized that it wasn't the, the food, it was the feelings, you know, and the, and the feelings, the food kind of gave me and why did I need to feel those feelings? What was I missing out on elsewhere that I was trying to fill the void and the pieces kind of slowly kind of started to come together. Um, and it was mostly about experiences with food, not the food itself. Those, those memories of the food were more important than yeah. the actual food. And it was yeah. about being around people and the mm-hmm. environment and the atmosphere and, and all those other factors that really were what was important, but somehow I was just pushing it on the food. Uh, so for me, it was just a constant work on finding the, the core of the issue and where it all started. That's what kind of helped me move forward. Hey guys, it's April. When I'm craving something sweet, I always head to my pantry and I grab my jar of retreat drinks, hot cacao. But I know I'm doing it for more than just my sweet tooth. 
Cacao is one of the highest plant-based sources of magnesium, the most efficient mineral in the Western world. Magnesium is so important for a healthy heart and it helps turn glucose into energy, enabling our brain to work with laser sharp clarity and focus. It's a total mood booster without the caffeine. I absolutely love it and I think you will too. Visit retreatdrinks.com and use the code east to west for 20% off your first order. Happy sipping. And, and I just know from, from my personal experience with my therapist, because I've done the same thing. I'm, I'm very much like you. I need to, I need to understand the nucleus before I can understand right, yeah. the, the, the path forward. And in my work with my therapists, you know, it just kind of got to the same thing. It was like, well, you didn't, you didn't get something that you needed at that time, but what was around was food and your brain actually did what it is wired to do, which is help you survive, right? To keep you alive. And in these moments of stress or anxiety or trauma, you know, when you were younger, you know, your brain realized that, oh my gosh, you you think you're going to perish. I need to, I need to figure out how I'm going to keep you alive. And it was food. And once I could understand that connection, my therapist really helped me understand that instead of looking at this as I'm something's wrong with me or I need to punish myself or my brain was, was not working right, I actually had to acknowledge, no, 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 it did exactly what it was supposed to do. And go a step further, you could actually celebrate that because your brain and your body did what it thought it needed to do at the time. It didn't, it wasn't correct, but it didn't need to know that. All it needed to know was that it needed to keep you alive. And I just thought, oh my God, right? So once I could get to a place of acceptance and understanding, I could finally say, oh, okay. I don't think I can say thank you yet, but I can say, "Uh, I understand. I understand. (laughs) Mm-hmm. I get it now. Right. And for me to be able to go, okay, I acknowledge that. And now moving forward, I I'm, I'm, I'm interacting with food in a way that's different, that's separate from that. So if I, if I can tell that I'm not getting something that I need something that's related to feelings or whatever mm-hmm. it is, I don't have to, I'm not going to go to food anymore because now I understand, as you said, it wasn't the food. It was the feeling. It was the emotion. It was the thing that I was, yeah. it was the thing just, that I was you were going just, through. You were just feeding your feelings really. And and yes. who wants to admit that, that you're feeding your feelings? You're like, no, I'm not. I just like food. I see. I'm just a foodie. I just love yeah. food. I'm a fat no. person. Don't I love food? And yeah. you just constantly have these like, you know, veils over it all. But at the end of the day, you really are feeding your feelings. Also, you're in control. There was a lot of things yeah. in my environment that I was not in control of as a child and as a teenager. And I felt very like, a, like without a net, I just, there was a lot, mm. not a lot of security. And the one thing I could control was what I was putting in my mouth. And it made me happy that I can control that. And I, I think I did find that as a, a happy point as, as a child and as a preteen was my, the control that I had and yes. sad that I controlled it in a negative form where it, it, it hurt me. I wish mm. I would have controlled it in another way, but you know, it, you, you, you grasp at straws. You don't know what you're doing. You're, 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 exactly. you're, you're, you're a kid. You don't, you don't yes. know what's going on or you're a teenager. No. So it's definitely control and feeding emotions and getting past that is just not easy. When people ask me, I'm like, it takes work. I'm only three years yeah. post-op. I'm only skim the surface yeah. really of everything. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's constant work. You have to do that. And without the work, I don't really see lifetime success without doing some mental and emotional work. 
No, right? Because it, if, you, if you live the way that you lived before surgery, after surgery, you are going to weigh what you weigh after That's surgery, correct. right? But I mean, mm-hmm. like you, you really do have to, which is terrifying because you go into surgery thinking, well, I'm just <laughs> going to have this done and then everything's going to be fine. Normal. Normal. No, 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 no. You're, you're going to go through surgery. And if you want to find success, you really do need to become a different person. Like your soul doesn't change. I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about all of the things that you did on top of who you, you know, what you layered on top of who you are at your core, all of that really needs to change because Mm -hmm. everything before went into your weight, your weight was a physical manifestation of how you were choosing to move and think and behave and act through life. It was your values, your morals, your beliefs. 100%. And you have to change those if you want to look differently and it's scary and it's exhausting. But as I, I, but I've come to say, this is easier than living at 326 pounds. By light years. I mean, completely, completely. Well, and there's a difference between, you know, the, the traumas and things that you had as a kid and whatever myself, I was just never given a limit. My shit was just wide open. Like there, there was an abundance of food in my house at all times and it would get replenished the second it was gone. Like I, I, it was just whatever I wanted at the time, no matter what, however much it was, I was a latchkey kid. So we spent a lot of time at home while my mom was working and my dad was gone. So it was literally just get home from school, rip open a bag of chips, grab a two liter of Coke and ate and drank until it was gone. And it was just, you know, wash, rinse, repeat. Like it was just the same, the, the same thing. And it was every single day, all the time, every meal. It was, oh, you know, we made enough for everybody. Just go ahead and have as much as you want. And it just everything was in abundance all the time. Well, now that I'm older and I'm the one that's buying things and I'm the one that's cooking, <laughs> I continue to do the same shit. Because yeah. I'm like, well, why not make a... I can, uh, you know, I can make a little bit of spaghetti or I can make spaghetti to feed the neighborhood, but it's only going to be us and we're going to have... <laughs> leftovers for the week and it's you know that's what you do and so every single meal you eat is a big vat of spaghetti you know it's just it's like that all the time and so now post-op I'm the one having to cut down the grocery list and I'm the one having to cut the portions down and you know and it's when you've done it for 25 years a certain way it takes a hell of a lot to turn the wheel it's way. also not going to ch- change overnight. I think people oh, expect um, all these habits sometimes to be like, oh, I had surgery, uh-huh. you know, I, I'm going to, you know, like the meal prepping and all that stuff. And you yeah. talk about, um, you know, portion control and I'm going to be yeah. active and I'm going to track. And that to me, that is so overwhelming to say, I'm going to yeah. do that the minute I get out. It's like seven or oh. eight things on that list. And because it's so much, it's so much, yeah. you can't oh. do it all. Your mind, yeah, your mind so can't handle it. And I say, take yep. one thing at a time. If you, I think uh, this other person I follow, her name is Denise. Uh, she's been one of my inspirations on, uh, on Instagram. She said, make small habits, make your bed every day, yeah. get up every day and just make your bed or, you know, mm-hmm. uh, clean or move. I, I, there are other things like that. I'm, I can't really think right now, but those small little changes yeah. that are not mm-hmm. even weight loss related, just that are mm-hmm. changing habitual things in mm-hmm. your life. Um, those will eventually kind of roll over into other parts of your life. Um, and I think that is, is key is taking them in small little increments because uh, you can't do it all. And I think people get overwhelmed by the, by the macro counting and then the weighing of food and then they're getting on the scale and their measurements and then this. And I think it just gets a little bit, yeah, conv- just overwhelming. And then you kind of mm-hmm. almost set yourself up to fail in a yeah. way. Yeah, you're well, like, if I can't do it all the first time, then I'm not going to do any of it because I don't know where to start. And then it's, a, you know, it is overwhelming. 
Well, we're very but, all or nothing people in the community. I think it's, that's yes, why I, I don't yes. know. I've encountered people who, who all kind of uh, say the same thing. It's either all of this and none of that. I can't eat this, but I can eat this. Well, it's all. Mm-hmm. And the same thing kind of comes into terms with if I can't macro count and be active and do that, I'm not going to do it at all. I guess I'm just yes. a failure. And yes. I, I, well, <laughs> it's right, but, back to, it's in your brain. You but that, yourself. That, that's our old mindset, right? That, that was the off ramp that we took, right? So we're not feeling really great. This is really hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think I can do it. I'm going to fail. Oh, I'm going to just take the quickest off ramp. Right. And that was just going back to, to doing what, what we want to do, mm-hmm. you know, and I, and when I think about my own life before bariatric surgery, I thought that I was tracking. I thought that I was being active. I thought that I was eating well, but I wasn't actually doing that work. I wasn't actually collecting the evidence to prove to myself that I was Mm. doing that, which was a, which is something that I could use as an excuse because I could say, oh no, I'm active, but (laughs) I don't have any, I don't have any evidence to dispute that. Right. It's not working. Right. Yeah. And I can project to the world. Oh no. Like I go to yoga and I do this and I do that. Well, I was doing those things, but not as frequently as I was claiming to. Right. So by not having the evidence, I could say, well, well, you tell me that I'm not doing it because I'm telling you I am and you don't have the evidence and I don't, but I'm, (laughs) you know, I'm doing it. And then when I really started, when I asked myself the question, why am I so resistant to tracking? Why am I so resistant to doing all of this stuff? And what it really came down to is it's like, oh, I thought I was always doing this but I actually wasn't. I never really knew what the work of living at a healthy weight was. And I certainly didn't know what the work of weight loss surgery was because even though I thought I was doing it in my old life, I was not. I was just straight up bullshitting myself, right? I was doing it at 1%. And to be successful after weight loss surgery, you have to do it at 80%, at 90%, at 100%. And that's exhausting. That takes so much time, energy, and effort. Well, and not to mention the fact that Nobody wants to see, like, I tracked one day at my heaviest. I tracked everything I because mm-hmm. my wife was giving me shit about it. Because she was, I was like, I don't even eat that bad. And she was like, oh, don't you? You don't? Mm-hmm. Well, let's go through a day. Why don't we yeah. go through a day? We went through a day, and I was at 12,300 and some odd <laughs> calories for the day. And she yeah. was like, now, how many calories were you supposed to take in a day? And yeah. I'm like, oh, no, not 12,000. And she was like, <laughs> yeah. no. Not twelve thousand. You overshot it by about ten thousand calories. There, <laughs> like, it's a big you, mirror. It's a it's a big reflection on yourself. Yeah. And mm-hmm. nobody nobody wants to see that. Like I didn't want to tell myself that I really ate that bad. And yeah. you know, and and really, when it when you break down to it, like I've talked to about it before, that's just the stuff that you do that they know about. That's not the sneaking food. That's not the going and taking secret trips to the drive through. Right and throwing the evidence away and doing all that stuff that you can because i literally tell myself like i'd be like oh i gotta throw all this evidence away so like i knew yeah. myself i was committing a crime against myself because i called this shit evidence and had to throw it away i yeah. you know it's so funny you say that what were we hiding from you know my mom once said she drove my car this was i was like so i when i turned 16 i was able to drive and that's when the food for me got completely out of control because now i could drive to any drive-through eat whatever i wanted un unlooked at unnoticed and I would hide the bags under my my seat you know I go and I hide and she drove my car for something one day and she found like seven eight bags of old food you know under there and I felt obviously so I was embarrassed I was embarrassed but I'm like why did I feel the need to number one keep the bags 
well, I don't, I, I still can't figure out why I even kept them as like, were they like trophies that I ate all this food to me? It was weird. I just could have thrown away. I was hiding them from everybody. Um, but again, who was I really hiding them from? I don't understand that. I was, it was, I was just hurting myself by yeah. stopping three, four times a day. And yeah. I obviously judgment is one thing. It'll be judged by other people for what you're eating. But I just remember her taking out each bag out of my car of White Castles and Taco Bell and McDonald's. And I was, I was mortified. I was mortified. And it was such a, it was a very eye-opening experience about my food addiction, that that was just five days worth of, yeah. of food where, you know, eight to 10, 12 bags of food. It was, yeah. I just don't know why I felt the need to, to be so secretive to myself. Like, I don't know what I was hiding it from. I was just, yeah. it was bad. It was really bad. Well, I, I think, I think at the root of it, we, we know when we are in the throes of our addiction that we, that we have a problem, right. And that we, we don't have the tools to, to overcome it yet. And seeing the, you know, when, when we're, when we're, you know, when you're taking, yeah. right. Yeah. Right. It's like, and yeah. when you're taking in the drug, you don't think about this. All you think about is, oh my God, I, I finally have relief and I can zone out and, uh, and then when it's over and when you've kind of come down and you have to acknowledge that, okay, I, I, I can't, that's too painful. That's no, nope, mm -hmm. you know, you're, you're, you're just doing whatever you can do to survive. And it, you're right. It, I think the, you brought up the evidence part and I really hadn't seen evidence until that point in my life. And you know, it affected me of course, but I went back to my old ways. Uh, yeah. Nothing changed obviously, but uh, it's seeing it in front of me, um, like tracking or, you know, yeah. um, writing it down, but seeing it, it was just, it was, it, I was blown away. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think that's what tracking does for me is it kind of brings me back to that, that moment of actually physically seeing what I'm doing to myself and what I'm putting in my body. Cause if you don't mm -hmm. do it, you just, the addiction takes over. You can block a lot of things out. You can block yeah. a lot. People don't realize you could really block out an entire day oh, eating yeah. without even oh, yes. knowing it or seven or eight snacks. It's real easy to yes. forget that you had such and such a, a thing. It's very, very easy. Very well, easy. And if you get to a point where you're methodically tracking like that and it's, and it's something that you know, you're not going to skip on you'll start to second guess what you're about to eat because you're like, I'm going to have to write this shit down and it's going to hurt. I'm going to have to write it down and it's going to suck. I'm going to have to adjust the rest of my day if I eat this one thing right now. And that's and really- And is it worth I mean, it? Is it right. worth it? Exactly. Yeah, that's the thing. And, and like, you know, one of, the th one of the greatest things April says is, is this worth my long-term goal for what I want to do right now? Yeah. Yep. It's, it's, we, we have to learn to choose what we want most over what we yep. want now. And that's, that's very, great. that's mm -hmm. very difficult. And that is how you find long-term success. You don't need to do it every time, but you really need to think about it every time you, you are faced with a decision like that. Is this what I want most? Or is this what I want right now? Because most is long-term success. Now is I want to get out of my discomfort. Well, now you got a choice to make. That's right. right. Yeah. So the, the, the next thing that we kind of want to that we do want to talk about as I think it is segue us from this relationship to food and movement, mm -hmm. but it has to do with your hashtag body by carbs. <laughs> what, okay. What, how did you come up with this or why did you start using this? What is, what is the knowledge behind body by carbs? Well, I saw, I actually, I am not the creator of body by carbs. I actually saw it in uh, my, my trainers, um, uh, one of her hashtags and okay. she had it in there and I thought oh my god and I think she did it as a joke or there was some type of just a little you know like oh I could say body by carbs and I thought oh my god it's so true though 
like I, I am fueled by carbs and with my lifestyle. And so I didn't, I cannot take credit for body by carbs. I cannot, but I will take credit for putting it into all my hashtags when I, when I get a chance. Yeah. Uh, but that's, that's where I saw it. And I thought this is, this is to me, it just, it spoke on a billion levels about, you know, carbs. We're so afraid of them. It's such a, a taboo thing to talk about um, in, in all the weight loss, in the weight loss community and between diets and different things. Nobody wants to really give carbs a lot of credit. They want to no. hate them and hate yes. them and hate them until they can't be hated anymore. Yes. Well, and I think Atkins and, and keto really made yeah. carbs the, the devil. Uh, <laughs> and then as modern research has showed, right, sugar is really, it's the most highly refined process, you know, substance on the planet. It's more addictive than cocaine. You know, I, I, all this horrible thing about sugar, right? This refined sugar. Well, sugar is a carb. So that got lumped together, right? So then all of a sudden, just all carbs are bad, kind of became the mantra for people. And after bariatric surgery, you know, my recommendation for my surgeon from, from my nutritionist was to keep my carbs low, protein high, yep. fat, medium carbs low, but we don't really have enough information. I didn't have enough information about carbs in terms of what's a simple carb, what's a complex carb, complex what does a carbohydrate right, actually do? How can it help me build, you know, a strong body, mind, bones, all this kind of stuff. So, so tell us about your journey back to carbs. Well, I was afraid of carbs. Um, I said it, uh, I think a little bit earlier, I was afraid of fruit. I was afraid of a lot of things, you know, six to eight months out of surgery. It just, I, to me, they were the devil. They were what put me on the surgery table. So I eating them again was like my path back to 310 pounds. I somehow correlated with, if I eat them, I'm going to be, I'm going to gain all my weight back again. And that's what kept me so afraid of them. And so why not not wanting to integrate them back in, into my life. And it took my nutritionist to really say, Gina, this is, you're just kind of transfer addicting right now. You're going from one extreme to another now. So it was, a, she actually saw kind of this transfer addiction forming really early on after, um, after weight loss surgery. And we nipped it in the butt really, really fast. And uh, I'm very thankful for that because at that point I was very vulnerable and very susceptible to to having another addiction because, yeah. you know, you're, you're not in a lot of control after weight loss surgery because you know, your stomach's this big. And so yeah. I, I, I think I was really truly just transfer addicting one thing for another by eliminating, by not eating. And uh, I'm probably on the verge of another f food issue. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. So after I kind of combated that and integrated some fruit and some carbs and, you know, all the good things. It was a very slow progression. I was maybe having 30, 40, 50 grams. I mean, it was a very, very low amount of carbs. I was not mm. surviving on much um, and doing all the cardio once I was cleared. So I was running on fumes, basically. I was exhausted. Yeah. I looked gaunt. I looked very frail. Um, yeah, I was getting to my goal weight. The scale was dropping. Awesome. But I was not feeling my body at all with anything mm. that was nutritious or um, or good for me for any mm. type of muscle building or whatever. So it just was a very slow progression to get to where I am now taking in a very moderate to high carb diet um, yeah. because of the association with gaining all your weight back yes. with eating carbs. Yes. So what, so uh, what kind of carbs do you consume now on a daily basis and why have you chosen to consume those? I mostly, um, I mean, we all have a little bit of simple carbs here and there, you know, who, who really doesn't, you know, it's a yeah. little bit of 80, 20 lifestyle, but, uh, the majority of what I take in are complex carbs. 
you know, sweet potatoes are my, are my go-to. I do love a little bit. I do love my rice. Uh, uh, I do like quinoa, a lot of grains. I do a yeah. lot of lentils. Um, I've become more pescatarian too the past year. So I've actually kind of ventured out into different, different foods and, and different things to kind of take in. But the main sources for me are, like I said, sweet potatoes, rice, quinoa, lentils, things, things of that nature. Um, I don't really eat pasta. Number one, it fills me up in about mm. two bites. So yes. that's pointless to make any, any pasta. I'm Italian and it hurts my soul that I really can't eat a lot of pasta. Uh, but cauliflower gnocchi, I know that's kind of cool. That's a new thing. Everyone's eating oh, yeah. fantastic from Trader Joe's. Oh my so God, the great. best, the best. It's, it's the bomb. So, yes. and, uh, so that's probably the most maybe simple carb that I maybe take in or things like that, but mostly it's, it's complex carbs for sure. Yeah. And why have you made the switch? I, I think I know the answer, which will get us into our movement part of the conversation, but why, why the switch? Why the carbs? Uh, mostly for, for bodybuilding and for weightlifting and, and, and muscle growth and uh, body composition uh, changes, you know, going from that cardio queen lifestyle, which I'm not hating on cardio. Cardio is great. It's very healthy. It's heart healthy. Everyone should be doing cardio, getting your steps in. Uh, but I didn't like how I looked. That's, and how funny is that? You get down to your, your lowest adult weight. You know, I wasn't even at my ultimate goal weight, which was like, I think 135 pounds on my BMI chart, which is for me, it's like, it's, an, it's anorexic in a way. Like I would not yeah. look healthy. And yeah. uh, I, I wasn't, I wasn't happy. I had no muscle mass. I lost it all. I was like a melting candle, Picasso painting, dripping, uh, not, not getting in enough nutrients and just running and just doing so I, I I had to make a change and I I kind of came across um you know a lot of people who were lifting a lot of people I were following on Facebook they were lifting and I was like I wonder what could happen what you know it's almost like what do I got to lose at this point uh by by trying to see what I can build up on my own and that's kind of how it it started was what the hell I, really? I can't. <laughs> you say the melted candle thing, though, because I, I, it I is a melted. It, just... I refer to it as the melted ice cream or the Ziploc bag full of yogurt. Those are <laughs> kind of. Well, that's a good one too. That's good too. Yeah. And I cannot tell you the 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 power of that of that word for me. That that almost seems to be like it's almost my new jam. I have to get curious about something, right? It's not that I'm going to go balls to the wall. I'm not going to go all in. I'm not going to like change everything about what I'm doing. But if I can just get curious about something, it leads me down a very healthy path of exploration. It isn't mm -hmm. saying I'm going to commit to this. It isn't saying I'm buying all the things or I'm, you know, it's just saying, well, I wonder what would happen if I do this one little thing, right? Because a little then shift. That, a little shift. And then all of a sudden that little shift goes, oh, wait a minute well, what if I also did this? Or what if I tried this mm -hmm. now? What if I, you know, that was kind of the approach that I took to cooking. That was how I got back in the kitchen because you can't live off protein shakes forever. That's just not, nope. you can't do it. You have <laughs> to make food. You have to interact with food again. And it was just that little like, hmm, okay, I, I wonder. wonder. Mm -hmm. And and that's a very healthy way for me, at least for my all or nothing brain to just kind of, you know, ease into things a little bit without me going, you know, crazy. Um, and it's very interesting to watch this practice for you unfold on your Instagram feed. And I know this is going to sound crazy, but Jason, and I talk about it often <laughs> because Jason, and I look at your, what we really appreciate is you have side-by-side -side pictures of you at your lowest weight. Uh, here, here's, you know, two years or whatever after R and Y, right? 
low weight, looking like a, a dripping candle. I totally pretty much that, right. <laughs> and then here's the picture of you like a year later or even a month later. And you look like a completely different person. And when Jason, it was a couple of days ago, he messaged me. He's like, dude, look at this. This is the same, this is her. And I was like, what the, I mean, it's just insane. And of course, Jason's like, how does she look like that? I mean, it's amazing. You know, Jason is often talking now, his fitness journey, he really wants to bulk up now. He yep. wants muscle, he wants definition. And after you get to a low weight, that's very scary because you go, oh my God, but I'm gonna lose, I'm gonna gain weight again and I'm gonna get bigger, oh, yeah. oh my God. Right. But when you see your side by side pictures, it's just shocking in the most positive way. I mean, I really didn't think it was possible. You know, those small changes you're making because you're curious. I mean, I was lifting three, four pound dumbbells doing a few, you know, just I did my 45 minutes of cardio. Then it was a little bit of this, a little bit of that. What did I see on Instagram? Well, that looks kind of cool. It was very, very minimal. People are like, you must have been working hard since day one. No, no, I was literally like Jane Fonda like a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And I, you know, I, I put my half hour in and I went home. Uh, it, it took me a good year to even get the balls to push myself even harder at, at the gym with, with the virtual uh, trainer. Um, Cause I just, I didn't feel comfortable. I didn't feel confident and it was all new. It was a, another, another world to me, you know, it's bad yeah. enough. You go from weight loss surgery and this, and now you're entering this world of people who are lifting weights. It's just, it's, 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 it's lunacy. It's lunacy. Yep. So I, I, I really had to um, keep it all into kind of perspective and just take it very slow. I couldn't be an all or nothing moment because I probably would have failed. I probably would have failed if I would have done that and, and just went balls to the wall. Yeah. So I, I, I always recommend taking it just step by step. And those little wins, those little victories at the gym, maybe it was a five pound weight that day for a few reps, you know, whatever it is, celebrate it. Cause you're just, it, it's a, it's a curious phase. It's, it's a yeah. curiosity phase. And I had no clue that it would lead me here a year and some months later whatsoever. Yeah. Um, well, but I yeah. realize is with muscle mass, you lose post-op, you lose a lot of strength. A lot. Because mm -hmm. I I used to be a, a gym guy, so even though I was a, even though I got to my highest weight, I still carried, I think two hundred and uh, even at my highest weight of four hundred and sixty eight pounds, I think I had two hundred and forty pounds of lean muscle mass. Now I wow. guarantee you, right now, I if I'm one hundred and eighty pounds lean muscle mass, I'd be shocked. Like mm -hmm. I used to throw my twenty five pound dumbbells around like they were five pounds, like it was no big deal. And I remember the other night I was sitting there and I was on like my third set of 15, just regular curls and my arm, my right arm starts shaking. And I'm looking like, what the fuck? Like I was pissed. <laughs> I was pissed because I'm like, and my wife's looking at me, she's like, what is wrong? And I'm like, stupid ass right arm all shaking and shit. Like I can't lift a weight. Like this is dumb. Like I don't understand this shit. And you lose like, it really quickly. Yeah, really she's quickly. Like, she's like, think about the, you know, you've lost lean muscle mass, you've lost mass periods, you're, you're gonna lose strength. Like it's gonna, like even my hands, I've noticed I don't have the grit strength that I had before, mm -hmm. because yeah. I worked in the, I worked in the oil field when I was younger, like with my probably in two thousand and two thousand and one. So I, I mean, all I did was use, you know, pliers to open pipes and shit. So my hands, my arm, my forearms, mm -hmm. everything's always been giant. And I've had you know, really good grip strength. I'm looking at it now and I'm like, dude, this sucks. Like, I don't understand what this is like to not be able to do some of these things that I've always been able to do really simple. Hey. 
Hey, it's April with East to West WLS. I don't know about you, but after I dropped a significant amount of weight, my body just didn't feel like my own and I needed help feeling like it was my own again. So I started receiving chiropractic care. If you live in the Tacoma area, I cannot recommend Grit City Cairo more. Dr. McKenzie is passionate about helping you feel, function, and live better. Check out her Instagram at Grit City Cairo or her website, gritcitychiropractic.com for more info and to book your first consultation. And if you mention East to West, you'll get a discount on your first visit. I feel amazing after seeing her and I think you will too. But I have to say, this is, this is the work of weight loss surgery, right? Is realizing that we cannot judge ourselves we can't, we, we can't get mad about our past. We can't compare mm-hmm. ourselves where we currently are to where we were before, Correct. because that's going to give us an excuse to do nothing. That's, right. that's our old mentality going, well, well, I guess I'm just a piece of shit. I can't do anything right. Or, oh my God, I, I'm never going to get back there before. And then we just give up, but we can't. And that's why our discussion about movement really at East to West has been, no, no, no. Movement is doing purposeful activity that is, mm-hmm correct and appropriate for where we are now and it's and it's just doing something that's a little bit beyond our comfort zone because we cannot go back to like oh I was stronger before why did I even do this no 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 and we can't look at people who are buff bodybuilders and go I'm never going to get there no 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 we have to go where we we literally have to say to ourselves where am I now and where and this is where I'm starting from and I'm just going to do some things for where I'm at now because I'm not my past and I'm not my future I'm only what I am right now you know, also having, um, I remember my, my trainer telling me, what do you want out of this? Where do you want to go? Do you have any, uh, do you have any um, body composition goals? And, you know, I think mm-hmm. setting those out early of where I wanted to go really helped on what I was going to do. You know, some people mm-hmm. don't have any goals of bodybuilding and that's totally fine. Some people yeah. just want to be able to walk to the corner and not be out of breath. Some people just want to yes. be able to bend down and tie their shoe. So yeah. my goals of where I want to go are completely different than that person's goal. So maybe 30 minutes a day on a treadmill is all they need to do to get there and to be happy and to, and to maintain. And that is okay. That is to- yes. That's why you shouldn't look at someone who spends two hours at the gym versus someone who does 30 minutes in their living room. Yeah, Our right. goals are different. So you yes. have to think about what you want out of it as well and, and what you're going to have to do to get there. And if the work is too much to get there and you're like, I don't want to do that, then maybe that path really isn't for you right now. Maybe yes. a bodybuilding path is not what you can do. So what can you do right now? What's going to yeah. help another stepping stone to get there? Yes, you right. Know? Because so it take, yeah. Yeah. Everybody's movement goal should be very specific to them. And, and I'm so glad that you said that. Not everybody's goal is to, is to look or be a bodybuilder. Some people's goals is literally to be able to walk around their home or lift up their kids or play yep. with their grandchildren and not be winded. And those are phenomenal fitness goals. That, that is a movement goal. So it's not necessarily about what the end destination is. It is what is your end destination? And then what tools do you need to get there? And it, it's interesting watching your journey because you often talk about... I mean, clearly you, you have some very well-defined fitness goals or or composition goals. And you went from being a cardio junkie to really not doing a lot of it, even though you're weightlifting and what you're doing is cardio, but you've really swapped like the treadmill for, for weightlifting. Yeah. Because of because of, well, composition too, you know, Uh, I also didn't know anything about weight. So cardio was easy. I didn't, I really didn't know anything about the weightlifting life. And so the weight room kind of freaked me out. I was afraid okay. to go in there and be judged. You're mm-hmm. judged enough being a fat person on a treadmill. 
oddly, I don't know why we even judge people in the gym. They're trying to get their lives together. I'll never, yeah. I'll never understand. I, I, I want to cheer people on and give them a high five when I see them on the treadmill. Uh, but I, so I was mostly cardio just out of ease. It was easy. And I knew what to do, take a run, do some elliptical, do a step routine, all that stuff. So it's completely out of my comfort zone to lift, to lift a weight, uh, which yeah. is, uh, but I knew that lifting weights could change body composition. And, you know, I really didn't want a lot of plastic surgery. I thought this could be my, this could be a, a little uh, pathway to not having major plastics. I still need plastic surgery. This hasn't cured everything, but it has improved certain areas. I don't need to go under the knife for. Oh, you know, interesting. I don't, need, I don't need to have any thigh surgery, any arm surgery. Mine is mostly midsection. And, you know, so I've bulked up enough by just working hard at the gym to avoid two other plastic surgeries in my surgeon's opinions. So See? it's, yeah. And that's, that's amazing because what you said is, you know, the intimidation from the weight room and the doing things and, and switching up and getting out of your comfort zone, which is one of the things we always say, you got to be uncomfortable with being, you know, you got to be comfortable with being uncomfortable, but also to get what you've never had, you've got to be willing to do something you've never done. So mm -hmm. in order for you to bulk up what you did, you had to put yourself in that weight room. You had to throw the weights around to finally get to that point. And you have a, not only want the, the goal and the drive to want to change your composition, but to also eliminate those other surgeries. And you've been able to accomplish all of that by doing that. So that, you know, that's amazing in itself. You know, I can't really say it for everybody. We all have different body types. I think I'm blessed with a little bit of um, skin elasticity. You know, I, I, not all of it. There's a lot of things that are, that are hanging around, but I, I do think a lot of it did bounce back and I'm very lucky for that. Um, not everyone has that luck on their side. They're probably going to mm -hmm. need to, to, to have um, extra or more plastic surgery. And if, if they so choose to do, um, but I, like I said earlier, why not? What, what's it going to hurt to, to try to, to yeah. change it? I don't have the money for it anyway. So I have a few years to wait while, while I save <laughs> it up. So, you know, while I have the 20, I don't have 20 K in my bank account. So might as well just go to my $10 a month PF and try and figure it out. Um, right? so, uh, then it just, it really, I think the, the possibilities is what interested me. Uh, and like you said, cur being curious and what I can do, I didn't know I was going to love it or have a passion for it either. And it turned yeah. into that because I saw results. Yeah, well, you know, and we're, we're, we're all products of seeing results, right? We're all very yeah. uh, results driven. Uh, yes. And I think that's why weight loss after surgery, because it's so fast, we're so happy. We hit a mm -hmm. stall, we freak out, we stop losing, we freak out because we're so results driven. Mm -hmm. um, and weightlifting, I saw results. And I wouldn't say fairly quickly, but composition can change with consistency fairly quickly based on some side-by-sides oh my god yeah if if you do not follow gina yet her instagram handle is fat to the number two fab underscore rny i highly recommend you guys go and look at those side-by-sides because i think there was one recently where it was like january of this month and then like 30 days later it was i mean it was i mean I, I literally had to like make sure I was reading it correctly and like, nope, those are the dates that she says, because you really do look like a very different person. And it's, it, it, it's not a judgment. It's not a positive or negative thing. It's just amazing to see how quickly your body changed with, like you said, that, that dedication and that really mindfulness when it comes to your nutrition and doing nutrition. Things, mm -hmm. Yeah. And doing things purposely. So you, 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 you keep referencing a virtual 
is it a virtual training assistant or what? So I have a, yeah, I have a, um, my, my trainer uh, is actually on Instagram. We're, we're friends. Uh, oh. Her husband is who my trainer is. Uh, I'm not sure. Should I tag her here? Should I say? Crunchy oh yeah. Okay. Her yeah. name is Denise at the Crunchy Sleever. Uh, her husband is my, my virtual trainer and her and I okay. have become really close friends. She is a bariatric life coach. And so she has a lot of knowledge as well. So she's helped me in a lot of emotional parts of this journey as well. And just being a good friend. And she's also a weightlifter and her husband's, you know, obviously a personal trainer. So yes. her journey has also been from, you know, from uh, losing all this weight to actually changing her body composition and being in the gym. So we, we both really help each other. And she's, she's been a major inspiration uh, to me on this fitness journey for sure. Awesome. So, so does your personal trainer, so does he put together programs or, or like sets? How does that work? How, so I guess, how did you go from only cardio to what you do today? And then maybe describe for our listeners what you do do today. So basically um, when I switched over from cardio to, um, you know, lifting weights, the program was like a six or I think a six or an eight week program. And I decided to give it a shot. He gave me a list of exercises and kind of the, the splits for the week. Uh, and what to do on a Monday, a Tuesday, a Wednesday, and having, you know, one to two rest days for the week, because rest days are very important. People underestimate the power of resting your body, because it's how you grow. Mm -hmm. So everyone rest your body. Uh, and that's kind of where it started. And it was not a crazy routine, but he somehow saw that I had potential in with, with muscle composition and, and body composition. So my program was probably not low bar, you know, like, uh, starter starter mm -hmm. uh, it was probably more of an intermediate uh you know uh let's say start intermediate start to it all my words are failing today not enough coffee um and so and i you know i kept him uh very active like sent pictures i sent videos of uh um my exercises to see what the what they looked like to get feedback on my posture and everything i was doing in the gym and Basically, that's how it all kind of snowballed. And that was back in January of 2020. So it's been about a year and maybe about four programs in wow. with, with them. So uh, basically, it's just weekly check-ins. I can, you know, and send videos. We chit-chat. I ask questions. Yeah. Uh, if I don't like an exercise or it's not working for me, we can do a substitute and alternative for it. Uh, if I'm in pain, what can I do? Uh, for instance, this week I'm deloading. Uh, I've been working very hard lifting heavy for, you know, five weeks now. So this week will be a very deload sesh, lowering the weight and doing more reps, kind of keeping the muscle memory alive, but yeah. uh, not staying away from the gym. Okay. Basically. Oh. So it, it's it very, it's been an interesting uh, course of a year. It, it's transitioned. Yeah. You know, well, and gotten a little harder each, each time. Yes. And, and I did notice today you, maybe today or yesterday you posted, you, you just keep your followers updated on like what you're doing on each day. You know, you've got the month and a tracker and, oh, and, my you, tracker, and you've got, yeah. yeah. Right. And it's like the, the weightlifting icon <laughs> is for like when, when you did the heavyweights and then you've got like the day tacos. that you did active, active, <laughs> and then tacos for the rest day. And I was like, yes. Oh my God. That made <laughs> me so happy. <laughs> oh my God. I was like that. That is yeah. freaking epic. That's my, okay. that's my rest day. But yeah, so I'm not sure if I answered the question. I got in a tangent, but that's how we started it. And yeah. basically um, it's all virtual. It's all on Instagram, pictures, videos, all that stuff. And uh, that's how I keep accountable with, with him for sure. 
And I guess my, my point in asking you that was I just wanted to prove to the world that if there's a will, there is a way. Even during a pandemic, you can change the way your body looks. You can change your mindset. You can accomplish things with kind of the resources that, that, that already exist in our world. Okay, so I've got one more thing I want to ask you, uh, but I want to make sure that Jason has, I've like asked all the questions and I know Jason was really excited to ask you about some. So did we cover everything, my friend, or was there something you specifically wanted to ask her? Yeah, no, that was really uh, just about her making the switch from the the being so cardio focused to, to actually building and uh, kind of how she went about that. No, that was, that was really kind of, we nailed a lot of, a lot of what I had in, in mind. So, yeah. Okay. So the, so the two questions that we'll kind of end the, this part of our movement discussion on have to do with motivation. So are you motivated every day to move? What do you do on the days that you don't feel motivated to move? And what, what, what maybe words of wisdom or guidance can you give people who are struggling to make movement a part of just their everyday lives? Uh, movement, I, I have to say, I, I don't know if I believe that everyone has full motivation a thousand percent of the time. I know I don't get motivated at three in the morning or five in the morning to get up out of my warm bed and go to the gym. Uh, to me, it's more of a dedication to yourself and, you know, a, a love for you to, to do it. Uh, that's kind of where I, where I see it. Uh, am I, I'm dedicated. And to me, that structure is what gets me out of my house in the gym or in your home gym, wherever you do your movement, whether it's steps in your living room, it, it's just kind of the love you have for you and the journey you're on. Uh, that's, so for me, that's how I keep myself motivated is reminding myself why I'm doing it and you know where, where I wanna go, where, what I wanna do and keeping it all kind of in perspective. But that's, it's the love for me is what it is, not really motivation, uh, dedication and love to myself, really. Yeah. Well, and it's been interesting that we, we, I, we've been asking this question to a lot of people and they very much say kind of the same thing. And it's just that, you know, action is what creates motivation, right? You have to do something, you have to make a move before you will find or get the motivation to kind of continue to do that. But action is actually the first step. And when we, when, when people say this, they, they really say kind of what you did. I, I take action because I love something about myself. I take action because of the goal that I've set for myself. Mm -hmm. Or the flip side is I'm taking action because I'm not happy with the way things are going or the way that I look. So I'm, I'm moving because I'm, I'm not happy, but it's this mm -hmm. happy or not happy. And, and I think really approaching movement in that way is so positive because it never allows us a way out, mm -hmm. right? I either love or I hate something. There's nothing in between. Right. And, and if you can identify what, what you're loving on or what you want to change, that is going to give you that spark to move, to take some action. Yep. And then that action just creates more motivation to continue it because you see the results. You see Absolutely. things changing and you're like, oh, this is working. I'm going to keep doing this because this is getting yep. me closer and closer to my goal. Also, I have found a lot of comfort in the gym in my me time. I consider it almost therapy for me. Mm. And it's the only time I have that's really my own, where no one is really bothering me. Those two hours are Gina time. It's for me. And I'm focused on myself. I don't know about any of you or your listeners, but I think a lot of us who are overweight always put ourselves last. Yes. Always. You know, yes. our needs, our wants yes. came last and we couldn't really, we had no time for the gym, right? We just didn't have any time. So much going on. It isn't about not having, making the time. 
you know, you, you carve out the time for your priorities. If I could go out to eat or I could go to the mall or go do this, then I had the time to work out. I had the time for, so I really didn't want it bad enough ever because I didn't make the time. And so I do consider the gym for me now that, that therapy, that just that love for me that no one can really take away, whether it be, like I said, gym outside, taking a walk, whatever it is, it's for you. And it's just your time to focus on yourself and be, be with you. And I think it's very important to not look at the gym as a punishment. You know, it, it, it's, it's yes. not, a, we're, I don't know where that in our history of working out and fitness came, you're, you know, you can't, if you ate that, now you got to work out for two hours or you just exactly. And yeah. that's where this correlation came where gym is a, and it's not, gym is love for yourself. Activity is loving your body and seeing what it can do and how far you can actually, it's farther than you think you can push your own body. You have, you can really go farther than you even thought was possible. Like yes. with weightlifting, are you crazy? You would have told me 10 years ago that I would have, you know, arms like this. I'd say, you're out of your damn mind. Let's go get a drink. You're out of your yeah. damn mind. No, no. Are, are, you, are your glasses on? Are you on any medication? Because you're crazy. Crazy. Uh -huh. uh, but it's, it's really, once you remove the gym being this devil epicenter yeah. of, of hate and, and yeah. punishment, it really becomes, uh, fitness becomes something more than that. It becomes self-love in the end. Yes. Yep. Right. Well, I, I thought about it the other night, you know, I was really thinking, I was like, you know, cause I, I had gotten to a point where I was lifting pretty regularly about a month and a half ago and I just stopped. I just quit doing it I, and it really pisses me off because I was really I, I, I had, wasn't really seeing any kind of like serious gains but I was making moves towards that my strength was getting up I could tell a difference and I quit and I thought about it and I'm like the only person I'm cheating by not doing this is myself but then I thought about it and was like but we're used to cheating ourselves we're used to treating ourselves yeah. like shit for long long periods of time because we did it as healthy you know as unhealthy people as fat people as whatever like we're used to cheating ourselves out of being healthy or being better or being yep. whatever it is so it makes sense to that so what we really have to do is pull ourselves out of that old mindset out of that old you know well my you know i can put myself last i can do all that you know i'll still be here later i can lift weights tomorrow i can live you know do whatever but you really have to get your ass out of bed and start doing it. And so a week ago, I made the commitment that I was going to go back to doing it and start doing it again and stay doing it this time. And I've managed to do that for the entire week that I've been, you know, that for you. so that's great. Luckily, yeah, luckily I, I pulled myself out of that, but that really struck me very seriously when I thought about it because I'm like well I've cheated myself forever so I mean this is just normal this is what we do as unhealthy we're people. good at it's it like, we're really good here. at cheating we're really good at cheating ourselves being critical uh, critical to ourselves we are yes. we are so used to doing it it's so ingrained in us um that it's it's like second age it becomes our identity Yes. really is not caring yes. about ourselves and it changing that narrative is just imperative for, for moving forward and, and making time for you and, and doing it for nobody else, but yourself. Yes. And because yep. of how it makes you feel that it, it's, and, and that's what fitness is. That's what, that's what movement is, is doing it for, for you. Yes. Yep. If it doesn't make a, you feel good, you're doing the wrong thing. If you, you really know. hate lifting those weights, then you know what? Don't lift the weights. If you don't yes. like doing your Zumba class, why are you going? 
Yeah. Maybe you'll like yes. step aerobics better if step aerobics is still a thing. I'm showing my age, but yeah. I, I, you know, <laughs> I, you know I, I, I really think that finding what works for you, it's what, it's what's going to keep you going. And don't just jump on an Instagram fad because everyone else is doing the 75 a day squat challenge. What if you don't want to do squats? Don't do them. Who says you have to put a, a, a booty band on and do it? For, no one's saying you have to do it. What if that's not for you? So find something that works for you in your life with, with what you have to work with. And that's what's gonna work. That's where you're gonna find happiness and movement and fitness. Yes, getting curious, getting curious and not stopping until you find yep. that perfect fit, right? You, you gotta be Goldilocks. You gotta find the perfect Little bit. fit. Little it's bit. true, very um, true. All right, the, the last thing we wanna ask you about is, is, is one of your, my favorite hashtags of yours, <laughs> fuck the scale. Fuck it, fuck it hard. Fuck. Oh, tell, <laughs> tell us about that. Tell us, expound. Yeah. Expound. So we all know the scale sucks. Not, I'm not going to lie. The scale is a lie. It's fake news. It's fake news. Um, basically, for me, the scale ruled me my, and probably all of us throughout our entire life. The number was my worth. Mm. It meant everything uh, from the first diet I was on to Weight Watchers. What do you do? You walk in the door, you get weighed in a scale. They put it in a little book and you celebrate your 1.2 loss. You get a sticker and you go to McDonald's. That's how I worked. That, that, that's what I did at Weight Watchers. Uh, the minute you left after you lost, you went to the drive-thru because you were celebrating your loss. Um, yeah, hilarious. But I, I think that number, and you always have a goal weight. There's yeah. always that goal they give you, uh, even with weight loss surgery um, you, or in your dietary classes, you have to lose mm -hmm. weight sometimes to have the surgery. Um, mm -hmm. Most surgeons will ask you what your goal weight is. It's all a number. Everything is attached to this, this number. And I, I was really obsessed with, with that. And it became a two, three a day step on the scale, sometimes more every single day. And I would base what I saw on how I felt that day. It would dictate how I felt. It would dictate um, if I thought I was making progress if I was falling backwards, uh, it was just controlling my, my, my daily living. It was, mm. it was living in my brain constantly. And, um, so when I got to my, well, below my goal weight, yeah. Yay for me. Fantastic. I wanted to change composition and change my body and work out. You don't realize initially that your scale is going to go up. It, it's, 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 it's gonna increase just based on inflammation from the gym, uh, mm -hmm. based on different food intake, based on muscle mass growth and, and how it's all kind of reformulating. You're changing everything going on with your body. So seeing those numbers increase was a really tough time for me because you spend so much of your life losing and, and getting down to a certain number. And now that number is shifting and you immediately go, oh God, I'm going to gain it all back. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be fat again. Oh, I'm going to be 300 pounds again. And it was a really tough shift to say, no, okay. Take it for what the number is as data, separating it from a mark of progression, you know, not making it just mean progress or no progress. It's, yeah. it's data. You have to look at it from a scientific perspective. Why are you putting on those two, three pounds? Is it inflammation? Is it sodium? Is it, is your period coming? There's a lot of factors that come into play uh, yeah. when it comes to the scale. So fuck the scale <laughs> because you don't know what's going on inside your body. Yeah. That yes. little reading, those three digits, 
are really nothing. It, it, it's a, it's this big in comparison to the big picture. And if you let it dictate you and you want to build muscle and go towards this direction, you're going to be shocked and surprised at how upset you're going to be. Uh, and you're going to get caught up in this vortex of just absolute self-hate because you're going to yes. put it all on yourself because you think you're failing. Yes. It's really, it's really hard. It's very hard. Well, and you're, again, those, the side-by-side pictures are so powerful because you will say like, okay, these are the, this is the same gene size. I'm six pounds heavier here, but, but here's what has also Mm -hmm. changed, right? My mood, my anxiety levels, my body composition, I'm feeling great about this. You know, I mean, all of these things also come with a change in the number on the scale. And as big time, right? And as we've talked about at East to West all the time, the scale is a piece of data, but it's a singular piece of data. And if you're only using that one piece of data Mm -hmm. to to judge your entire progress, then you're 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 missing the mark because that number is not a true representation of everything that's going on inside and outside. Mm-hmm. So it's one piece of data, but if we always say like people are stalled, well, my scale's been stuck forever. What are your measurements? What are your food intake? How's your mood? Yep. You know, are you stressed? You know, are if you're a female, have you been? What are your menstrual cycles like? Right? Like, there's a billion other things to take into account that that yep. scale is not telling you one iota. It's not saying any of this stuff. And no one is ever going to stay the same weight forever. We have to come to the realization we are going to have a 10 pound, sometimes 15 pound kind of bounce around. And that's hard to get your mind around. I know no one wants to hear that, that you get to your lowest weight, you're going to gain 10 pounds, but it's just, it's the nature of the beast. You're never going to see the same number every day, all matter how good you eat, no matter what you're putting in your butt, no matter how much you're working out, you're not going to see the same number five, six days in a row. It's not even five, six times in a day, you're going to see the same number. That's how much our bodies are shifting. And uh, that mental break has helped. I'm not quite there yet. I still have my moments. I'm human of seeing a number and going, oh God, that just gutted me. But I don't let it affect me the way it affected me previously with now I have to eat salad and water for seven weeks because I I gained a pound. You know, I don't go to the extremes anymore after seeing a number bounce around a little bit. Um, and like you said, there's other factors you can look at. If you have a Renfo scale or a, a data scale, you can see certain things that are also mm-hmm. decreasing and that helps you how your clothes are fitting. You know, I, I put that in my, one of my Instagram posts, you know, gaining 10 pounds or whatever with 15 pounds of muscle mass, I'm wearing the same pants I wore last year at like 15 pounds less of weight. Yeah in your head, that's not possible, right? But it is because your body composition has changed. The way your body has put where the muscle, where your muscle goes and where your little bit of fat goes and where this goes, it all shifts. Mm -hmm. And we have to keep those other pieces of data in our foreground, your measurements, your clothes, how you're feeling, your emotional status, all that Mm -hmm. stuff works, works together. Um, but the scale, yeah, fuck the scale. It really should not be contrib- Yeah, Like, honestly, look at it, take in the number, you know, weigh yourself if you want to weigh yourself every day, but do not let it dictate how you feel about yourself, your self-worth. And obviously don't let it alter your nutrition into a, a bad direction. Do you know what I mean? Like, well, yeah, yeah, if you're seeing an increase over the course of time and you're getting a pound a week and it's a pound and there's something going on that you're noticing in that data, and then you're also tracking your food and things aren't on target, maybe it's time to look at what needs to change 
you know, if it's an ongoing issue, but just because you gained a pound overnight, don't say salad and water. It's, it's, it's not being so extreme right. with it's well, a pound, it's a pound, still, it's a poop. It's a poop. It's a poop. <laughs> poop. I'm still a daily wear and I get to the point where I sometimes away myself at night just so I can kind of see what I never I'm do that. At. What are you doing weighing yourself at night? No, 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 no. Because here's the thing. <laughs> I weigh first thing in the morning after I've gone to the bathroom and I don't, yeah, I go in there with with nothing. Uh, not, absolutely nothing. I like wipe the scale off, make sure there's no dust on there. Like I don't want extra. <laughs> that little dust ounces. particle is an ounce. I don't, you I don't want no dust. <laughs> so I go in there with nothing and I weigh, but sometimes I'll get to the point where I'll weigh at night just to see. Because oh, I know okay. that if I weighed like 297 this morning, but if I weigh, if I only weigh like 298 or 297.9 tonight, I know in the morning I'm probably looking at 296, maybe 295, depending on how I did that day. But I get to a point like it still affects me to this day because this morning I weighed and I'm a, I was at 297, which was my lowest weight that I've been at. Today I'm at 304. So, okay. I mean, you know, I've had some, I've had some, some issues back and forth, you know, I'm still struggling with doing stuff and, and getting right, but it literally affected, like I had this morning, I had a plan to get up and mow the yard and do all kinds of stuff before we recorded <laughs> today. And I got up and saw that number on the scale. I took my ass back to bed. I was like, no, nah. <laughs> well, don't do that. <laughs> I beat my, I beat myself up about it this morning and I had some issues, but I had a long talk with myself and we're kind of you know working through it. Because I did, I went to the mindset that well, now I'm I'm just drinking protein shakes. Fuck it, I'm just gonna go right back to doing <laughs> dumb shit, all protein shakes until I can get back down. Because I can't believe I let myself get back up. You know, whatever it was that you know. But you're I human, to, and and I did, and I had to have that talk with myself and be like, no, don't be stupid. You know what you need to do. Just do what you need to do instead of doing what you want to do. Yeah. And you're going to get back there. Like, it's not, you know, this is a marathon, not a sprint. I don't mm -hmm. have to be at 297 every day and lose every day to be able to be a worthful, that's right. you know, somebody that's worth a shit. I can still get on here and talk to people every single day about what, you know, needs to happen because this shows the side of us that, you know, people that actually listen to us resonate with that it's not all about what I can show you on Instagram because I can show you pictures on Instagram of how perfect everything goes for me all the time. But you also need to know that I have shit days as well. Like I wake mm -hmm. up and I'm not feeling it. I wake up and, you know, things are oh, hard. Yeah. It's a struggle and it's going to be a struggle forever. Like it's never just going to, mm -hmm. I'm never going to wake up and go, well, fuck, this is perfect. And I'm glad I finally got here because it doesn't work for anybody. Yeah. Instagram is a, a snap of your day. You know, we all, we, some people take it a little bit, I hate saying too seriously, but it really is a snapshot of someone's day. You're seeing yeah. a picture, a post, a story, and you don't know what else is going, going on with them. So someone can really show you all the happy times. They can only show you, you know, positive progress. And yeah. you have to be a realist and be like, that's not, that's not real. You okay. know, there is some point in their day or their week or their month that something didn't go right. Okay, so we have to take a little bit of those positive, positive things that we see consistently with a little bit of a grain of salt. We're all human. Shit hits the fan. I weighed in heavier this morning than I have in the past couple weeks. I had to break it down. Okay, I had a lot of sodium yesterday. Let's not get crazy. Let's not mm -hmm. get nuts, Gina. You know, you're going to be on this, this podcast today talking about fuck the scale and now you're going to go crazy. You, can, you know, <laughs> come on, get with it. Get with it. So I, I, I have to talk. You have to talk yourself 
down a little bit because it's just, yeah. it's reality. It's what's going to happen. And yeah, so when I, fuck the scale, yeah, it's great. But do you know, people do care. It's human nature to care. I can't say never care about a number because that's not, that's not reality either. You're going to give a little right. bit of emotion into it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But the point is about the hashtag is don't let it dictate your life or your day or your week yes. or your month. Yeah, Take it yeah, for what perfect. it is and move forward. Well, and as you guys have both highlighted, it's it's a piece of data that we can use to reflect on our practice, right? It's a piece piece of data that we can say, okay, what 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 caused that, and what can I do moving forward if I don't want to see that number again, right? Or it's just it's it's a moment in time. It, it's a it's a moment for us to check in with ourselves, which we're not good at, right? And it's a moment for us to have conversations with ourselves, which we're also not good at, right? Because yep. those are two things that we didn't want to do before. Well, now we've made the choice to live our lives differently. This is what that choice is in action. It's personal conversations with our with ourselves. It's a reflection yep. on our choices, and it's a game plan moving forward. That's all it is. True. And, and yes. he, weight fluctuations are normal. This is normal. This is the normal is, human experience. And it's okay to have a new normal. I think we yes. need to just kind of normalize a new normal. Can, can yeah. we say that? Like normalize oh. a new normal? Honestly, because it, it, it's okay that you're never going to be the person you were. Why would you want to be? Yeah. Right. No. You, no. you didn't have the surgery to, to, to be, to do what you used to do. You had the surgery mm -hmm. to press the reset button, to change yeah. your life, to start over. I mean, this yeah. is the biggest reset button I think anyone could ever, ever have. Oh, I mean, yeah. you're literally starting your stomach from scratch. Yes. You're, yeah. you're starting and, and everything. What a, and what a gift, what a yes. gift to be able to have that. And that's why I, I get so frustrated when I see people, I'm like, Oh God, this is such a gift. Please take it for everything it's worth and squeeze every ounce of it. You can, because it is such a, an opportunity to, to, to do it right. To, to get it right from from the start and right. i i yeah well and it's hard for the people when we see people that, that come that finally come out of like the the honeymoon phase of having you know post-op <laughs> where they finally start you know eating food and stuff again and they get hungry and stuff and they're like well why the hell am i still craving pizza because you didn't have a lobotomy you had it you, <laughs> you had weight loss surgery you're gonna still, still love <laughs> pizza like guess what I still, I still want burgers. I still want pizza. Hell I still, yeah. want, I still <laughs> yeah. want to eat a box of pizza. It doesn't go away. Chicken, but guess what? You can't. <laughs> That's the only the difference. The difference. And is even you if you can, you got to keep an eye on it. Even if you want to add it back into your life, which you can. Yeah. I love donuts. Yeah, I want a donut every day. That's not realistic for me. No. But no. it doesn't mean I can't have a donut next week or a donut this month or whatever. It, it's you, you need to 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 kind of put it into. Like I can have whatever I want, right? You can, you can eat whatever the hell you want, but is it going to help me attain my goals? Right. Is it going to help me get to where I need to be? And if not, then maybe you're not ready to integrate it back into your life yet. If you can't have control over it, then it's just not time to add it back in yet. Get, get a handle on the emotional part of it first and then add it into your life. Yeah. I had an apple fritter for my birthday and it took me uh, half a day to eat it, but damn it, I ate it and it was fantastic. So There you go. And you enjoyed it. You took it for what it was you and, and you uh, moved on. That's yeah, the thing. 100%. You did it and you moved yeah. on. I think that's the other, that's a, that's a big thing is yeah, have your donut, have your apple fritter, but just know that that's just that moment. It's yes. not continuing. You're yeah. moving forward. And the rest of your week is a good 80% of fantastic nutrition because you yeah, chose to add that in on a Tuesday. 
Yes. You know? it's not going to go anywhere. Donuts, they'll, they'll still make donuts. They've made donuts for a hundred years, and they're still making <laughs> yeah. for a hundred more. And uh-huh. if you want to have one next week, go ahead and have one. Have a ball. We do have, have that in our lives. We do have that whole feast or fam. We're never going to get this yes. again situation. Yes. Like I got to yes. eat this whole. I got to eat all six of these donuts because no one's making donuts. Yeah, ever I gotta again. eat this whole pizza because I'm never gonna piece of pizza again, which is a yeah. lie. We tell ourselves yeah. that, so it's our it's our green light to to yeah. indulge and exactly. to take it all in. Definitely. That's our addiction. That is our addiction. Our that, addiction. That's our our old stories, our old habits, our old way of thinking, our old addiction. And that and we're not those the... people anymore. We're not no. those people anymore. No, but that's the work of weight loss surgery. That <laughs> is the work of weight loss surgery. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. Gina, thank you so much for joining us today. This thank conversation you. was enlightening and inspiring and uplifting and just exactly what, what, what we needed. We very much appreciate you pouring your experience, your recipe back into this community because that's how we Wonderful. find success. We do from other people. That's fantastic. Yes. Thank you for yeah. having me. This was really a lot of fun and hope I answered your questions to the best of my abilities. And it, like, again, if I didn't touch on something and people want to know more, just send me a a message and we, we can chit chat about it. So awesome. And Gina, where, where can they follow you? Oh, Instagram. I'm there 99.9% of the time, fat to fab underscore R and Y. Uh, I'm very active on there. Um, I'm really not on Facebook. It's just like we talked about earlier, not really yep. my scene anymore, yep. uh, but yep. Instagram, that's where to find me. Awesome. Wonderful. And for all of you who are listening or watching, if you like what you are seeing or hearing, please let us know. We, we welcome your feedback. Uh, if you have questions or if there's things that you are struggling with, let us know so that we can either share our own experiences with you and the community, or we can reach out to experts like Gina in, in the community and, and get those answers for you. And we, of course, love and appreciate when you like and share, subscribe, follow our content. That just helps our community grow. And if you really like what you are seeing or hearing, you can actually become a patron of East. <laughs> SWLS. You can help us create this support for the community. So if you're interested in finding out more, just go to patreon.com backslash east, the number two West WLS, and you can see what that is all about. All right, Jason, my friend, you want to take us out? Yes, ma'am. Gina, thank you again. Uh, it's, this time has been fantastic. I believe you've given our listeners everything they could ever possibly want and need and more, and we can't thank you enough for that. And uh, as April said, we, we appreciate all of the support that we've gotten from the community up to this point. You continuing to support us doing what we're doing is allowing us to support you in doing what you're doing. And you know, we've said this countless number of times and we'll continue to say it, helping you guys helps us. You know, we, you, we stay accountable to each other. We stay accountable to you because you guys stay accountable to us. Keep tagging us in all your things. Keep sharing your stories with us and we will keep spreading it out to the world because at the end of the day, our community was built on being there for each other and that's what we need to do. And at the end of the end of the day, just remember that you've got this, we've got you and we'll see you next time. Yay. Awesome. Thanks guys. All right, have see a great soon. day, everybody. All right, bye. Thanks. You too.